You're listening to Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. What's up and welcome in live from Chicago. This is Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Open phone lines for you, 312-332-ESPN, 332-3776 is the telephone number. Hit me up on Snapchat, SnapJHood, also on Instagram, IGJHood. You follow me on Snapchat, I will follow you back, guaranteed. This hour, we will hear from Jesse Rogers, who covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. We'll talk to him coming up at 815, right here on ESPN 1000. Also, we will bear down. We'll take a look at... um, some of the storylines around the Bears and the National Football League. We do this every night as we count down the days to Bourbon A. Bear Down coming up at the bottom of the hour. Also, Tales from the Hood, stories of sports, entertainment, everything else in between. All part of the mix right here. Our 8 o'clock hour here on ESPN 1000. Hope that you're having a great uh, Thursday. Again, we have uh, NBA Finals action tomorrow, so no show tomorrow. We do have the NBA Finals tomorrow. And uh, so this means uh, this is the day where I get the old... Garbage can out and all the stuff I didn't get to this week. It's going to all happen tonight. All the takes, all in the garbage can after I'm done at 10 o'clock tonight right here on ESPN 1000. So the Cubs signed Craig Kimbrell. And here's a number that should give you solace, Cub fans, that the Cubs have reportedly agreed to the seven-time All-Star. It's true. And uh, as we saw from Joe Madden, Joe Madden says it's going to take a few weeks for Kimbrell to be up to speed and be ready to be in a Cubs uniform. And the thing that you like, one of the things that you must like if you're a Cubs fan is is that here's Theo Epstein, Jed Hoyer, Tom Ricketts looking at the obvious. What do the Cubs need to be able to solidify themselves to at least be in the playoffs, at the very least in the playoffs? Sign a closer that can be able to get the job done. And so here's Craig Kimbrell because of his resume. 332 saves in his career. Kimbrell, a four-time National League All-Star with the Braves, winning the 2011 NL Rookie of the Year Award and three-time All-Star. Kimbrell is the only pitcher with at least 150 innings pitched in the live ball era since 1920. All you want to know, beside all those numbers I just gave you, is can he get the job done? Well, one of my keys for the Cubs' success, if you're going to sign Kimbrell, which the Cubs have, is to find a bullpen that is solid enough to be able to get the ball to Kimbrell at the end. There's nothing like a, a Kenley Jansen or Mariano Rivera or a Roldis Chapman or a Batances to get the ball to. You love that because you want someone to be able to close it out and to make it seem automatic. That's what the Cubs have needed. The whole focus for me, though, is for this team to stop underachieving and actually get it on top and be able to make some noise in the playoffs because – as I always tell you, the window for the Cubs is open until, at the very least, 2021. How sad would this era be? The era of spending, by the way. Not just a Cubs era, the era of spending. Spending money. Looking at the obvious. Not being one of these teams in the middle or one of these teams that's on the bottom, but a team that spends that says, you know what we need? We could use Craig Kimbrell right now. And guess what? They got Craig Kimbrell. Keep in mind, I'm old enough to know what it was like just not not that long ago when the Cubs needed something and the Cubs couldn't get it because, ah, sun is up in the sky, beer's cold, 40,000 at Wrigley. Ah, what's the point? You know, at least there is a commitment to winning. And so you'll take that. 
And you try your best. You know, you roll the dice. It's the same Cubs team in which the owner, the face of the team, Tom Rickett, said that we're broke. We don't have any money. Guess where they found some money? Somewhere in the coffers, they found enough to be able to get a closer to solidify that bullpen. Now it's up to the bullpen to get the ball to Kimbrell. Uh, so the question comes from Jeff Passan, who uh, covers Major League Baseball for ESPN.com, a number of things. The Cubs signed Craig Kimbrell, we know. We could see him much quicker, I think, than people actually realize. The expectation is that he's not going to pitch until July because, like you said, he hasn't pitched since late October. But people who have seen him working out have said his stuff has been absolutely electric and that because he is a bullpen arm, he's a lot less likely to take significant amounts of time like Dallas Keuchel. The day I was told was as soon as June 20th. Now, that's a really aggressive timeline, but look, the Chicago Cubs need a closer, and Craig Kimbrell, if he is anything like he's been in his career, is the perfect guy for them. Wait until fans and the Chicago news media, not the sports media, the news media gets a hold of Craig Kimbrell. When they see him in the stretch, they're going to be like, oh, that's kind of strange. The bent over like a creature type thing before he goes into his set. That's an odd thing. <laughs> and then you're going to see people in Wrigley Field bars doing that same thing. They're going to be bent over trying to talk to women. They're going to be bent over trying to talk to women in that same stance. And you're going to say, hey, and she, hey, what's your problem? I'm Craig Kimbrell. Can't you recognize me? Bent over trying to bent over trying to talk to a woman's navel. That's that's exactly what's going to happen. That's how that's how far down that Craig Kimbrell is before he goes into the set. If you have not seen him, he's quite the character, and it's it's I like it. It's very it's very unique. But the the thing that you love is a production because he does get the get it done for sure. Um, Passon was on with Carmen and Yurko talking about this as well, um, talking about um, why it takes so long. For Kimball to finally sign, I think a couple of reasons, and and it was really the, the just this perfect storm of bad postseason. So that's the last thing you saw from him. Uh, over thirty years old, so that immediately brings up a red flag. Uh, relief pitcher who goes only one inning at a time, and the value of those guys is not. Uh, as analytics have come as much into play as they have, not what it once was. And he overpriced himself. And and when all four of those things, plus the draft pick compensation tied to him, get thrown into the stew pot together, it, it's a big, funky, nasty, like, uh, you know, squirrel stew. Like, it's it's not something that's particularly appetizing. What? And what? I think the money was a an enormous part of it. Craig Kimbrell wanted to be a $100 million closer. That, that, that player does not and will never exist. There's just too little value in a one-inning relief pitcher. And I understand, you know, the, the Cubs went out and gave up Glaber Torres to, to go get a, a roll to Chapman. So right. it's, it's not, you know, it's not like the... Uh, the, the one-inning relief pitcher is something that doesn't have value. It clearly does. But to expect it over the course of six years to hold, especially six years when you're going in, uh, in each of those years is going to be in your 30s, just was not realistic. And they did not move enough off of those demands to, to reach the point where any teams were comfortable with giving them what they wanted. Yeah. And. And honestly, at this point, I thought they should have just signed a one-year deal and went back out into the market in the offseason. I'm, I'm stunned 
that he went out and gave up the like maybe the three good years left of his career that he has for the price that he did. And it, it was it is a big big win for the Cubs organization. I'm going to guess that Jeff Pass has never smelled squirrel stew, as he talked about saying that it has a smell. Um, squirrel stew does not have a smell. I don't know what he, he thinks it's a stinky squirrel stew. I'm, I'm going to text him and ask him, has he ever had squirrel stew? I don't think he has, as you're listening to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. After all, my family's from Arkansas, so I think I've had anything under the sun, anything with four legs I think we've had, even if we didn't know we had it. Um, so he also was talking about when he looks at, when he looks at Kimbrell, does Ben Zobrist, <clears throat> does he stay? From everything they were telling people, the answer is no. Hmm. Now, Some of the thoughts there from Jeff Passon. So no, no Zobrist there, so that's all we need there. All right, uh, so... <laughs> I mean, there's no else, no else to go there. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't think that Zobris will be back. Um, there's speculation that he may not return to the uh, Cubs, but one thing for sure, we will know that there will be a closer in place in Kimbrel for the Cubs. How about a little White Sox, huh? The Chicago White Sox. How about that? Ah, the Chicago White Sox. The White Sox play solid homestand, six and one homestand. And they go on the road to take on Davey Martinez's Washington Nationals and they get swept in that two game series. That's okay because they'll, they'll come back to them because they take on the Kansas City Royals. It will be interesting to see how Tim Anderson and the Royals get along here at Kauffman Stadium because of that thing, you know, that Tim Anderson and the Royals have. It'll be interesting to see that. But, um, you know, the Sox lose six to four and nine to five in that series against the Nationals. That last game that the White Sox played, in which they lost six to four, I gotta tell you something. Even for you baseball purists out there that still think that bunting and sacrificing is the right thing to do in Major League Baseball, I will tell you that um, there was something in that game that really bothered me, and that is late in the game against the Nationals with Tim Anderson at first base. And believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, it was Yomer Sanchez at the plate. And I believe it was Yomer that was trying to bunt Anderson over to second base. And it was a force out of Anderson at first. And it was one out and runner at first base. And the Sox cannot really recover uh, from that as they lose the game 6-4. to four. I, I just um, I just don't think that in 2019 that bunting... Is that so much important to take a bat out of someone's hands is not as important as it was, say, 10, 15, 20 years ago. I just don't, as much as I enjoy the sport, I just think that, in the, especially in the American League, by the way, you don't need to do those things. You just you just don't. I mean, you, if you have a pitcher on the ropes, anytime that is a base runner on, on the base pass, especially Tim Anderson at first base, Tim Anderson, by the way, should go every time he's on base. And he's fast enough to be able to make a single, a double, or make a, a double, a triple. He's that good from a speed standpoint. But then there's Rick Renneria. There he is again, just trying to... It, it's almost like some of these managers just want to say... If this play works, I'm raising my hand because it's me. I made this work. See this? 
I made this bunt work. It's look at look at how fundamentally sound we are. That's that's just not that's not winning baseball anymore. I'm willing to change with the times, and Rick Renria clearly is not willing to change with the times. I don't like that. The, the, I mean, I'm, I do it on the when I'm doing college baseball and doing the UIC Flames, and Mike D decides to lay down a bunt with a, a number three, number four hitter in the in the lineup. If he wants to do that, that's fine because you're st- you're still teaching on that college level. You're teaching on the high school level. I just don't like it. I just don't. The Sox are better than that. I think they're better than than bunting and sacrificing their way. And, and I'm gonna tell you something else. That's not a winning formula for the Sox moving forward. It's just not. Yes, you want to put pressure on the defense, but let me tell you how how that bunt why that bunt was unsuccessful. Runner first base, that bunt was right at the third baseman. It was right at him. So the force out was just was was really evident because there was uh, Rendon over at third base. And he catches it because he was like halfway between third and home. Eric, you saw that. And then, and like now, you don't have a fast runner at first base. Anderson's off the base pass, and you end up, end up losing the ball game. It was frustrating. So, Anderson has an 18 stolen attempts this year. He's been thrown out twice. So, instead of giving up the out, why don't you have him take the base? And the catcher that was catching was second worst in the league at throwing out runner stealing. I saw these stats last night on Twitter. So why, almost a sure thing that he's going to be able to get second. So why give up the out to have Sanchez do a poor bunt? Because that's what major league players do. They bunt terribly. Um, and then just give up the out. Now you got a slow man on first. It was just dumb. Just take the free base with Anderson stealing against the poor throwing catcher. I, I it, just, it, just, it just drives me up a wall, Eric. Because it's like, when are you going to empower these guys to be able to Hit with runs in scoring position and not give up base. You gave up an opportunity right there. I hate it. in the ninth inning. I hate the sack bunt. Like it, I, I just thought it was a Renteria is one of the few managers left in this league that is so caught on using the sacrifice bunt. I just this is why I want Girardi around there so bad. <laughs> yeah. Stop waiting for Madden to get fired. Just, just take the Sox job. You want to come back to the city? Just take the Sox job. Just let it happen. You know what? Because Girardi's not doing it in that spot. That's why. Oh, and by the way, I know that uh, on the surface, it's like, oh, you know, the Sox are in the wild card hunt. Say that. Say wild card hunt five times fast. Put on the poll at ESPN 1000. Can you say wild card hunt? I can, I'm not going to try on air because we'll have to dump it. Yeah, five times fast. <laughs> put on the poll. Say, say, put on the poll. Can you say wild card hunt five times fast in public? Um <laughs> Frank Thomas was our cap company. What are the White Sox? Right now it's confusing. I just want to see more sense of urgency from these guys because they have the talent in that locker room to win a lot of baseball games. But it just seemed to be, for me, watching them, they're like, one day I want to play up high, one day I just want to lay down. One day I want to play like superstars, the next day I, I don't know who I want to be. So we just got to get that urgency and consistency from these guys because they're extremely talented, and uh, there's no excuses for them not not playing over 500 at this particular time. Ooh, that's 24 seconds of hotness right there. That's good stuff. Frank doesn't know what the White Sox are. It's a good, it's a good point, but that's what happens when you're between. You have young players like I, I, I like Lori Garcia. I, I've always respected Abreu. I think he should be the Canerco of this team when the team gets good. He could be the DH forever uh, at the Sox price. Um, I love Tim Anderson being on this team because he's proven he could be a star at Moncada. There's a lot of cornerstones with this franchise, and of course, 
Giolito has showed ace-like stuff in the first couple of months of the season. So there's cornerstones, but then there's guys in this roster that's kind of it's in between. You don't know exactly what you have. And that's why you're talking about prospects. Are the prospects suspects? Or are actually they're going to be in a position to um, compete with Minnesota for the future for this White Sox team? That's the thing you don't know. But it's, it's, it's a great point by Frank. Right now it's confusing. I just want to see more sense of urgency from these guys because they have the talent in that locker room to win a lot of baseball games. But it just seemed to be, for me, watching them, they're like, one day I want to play up high, one day I just want to lay down. One day I want to play like superstars, the next day I I don't know who I want to be. So we just got to get that urgency and consistency from these guys because they're extremely talented, and uh, there's no excuses for them not not playing over 500 at this particular time. That's hot, Frank. Big Frank, what his thoughts on Cap and Company? Glad you're with me here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood will bear down coming up at the bottom of the hour. But now let's turn to Jesse Rogers. Yeah, Jesse's with us. He's standing by. He's with us here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. He covers the Cubs like a blanket. And uh, the Cubs fall short against the Colorado Rockies over at Wrigley Field. Jesse, as always, I want I appreciate your time. What um, What was your biggest takeaway from the Cubs' loss today? Well, it's rookie pitcher Peter Lambert making his major league debut. He looks like he's 16, to be honest. Seriously, I have a 16-year-old son. I think they looked about the same age. Um, he was really good. He was really aggressive. Uh, I think uh, if I was at Wrigley Field making my major league debut, I would not be able to hold it together. But obviously there's a reason he's in the major league, and I'm not, because he just was so poised, so good, so aggressive. It's tough if you've never seen a guy and he's at the top of his game. Uh, adrenaline run, rush, run, run through his veins. So uh, Lambert was great. Cubs had a little rally after he came out of the game, but they weren't able to get it done. So they won three in a row, won the series, um, winning these last two against the Rockies, and then and then dropped this finale. So uh, it's okay. It happens. But that that's what stood out. Lambert was really good making his debut. There's a reason why I'm going to ask you this question. I'll tell you on the back end. But the question is, what letter grade do you give to Chris Bryant defensively as a third baseman? Well, it changes from season to season, I feel like. If, if you're asking me this year, he is probably an A, um, A-minus uh, third baseman this year. And I sort of say that with the caveat knowing that he's a big guy and it's not that, you know, it's not easy to move around when you're, when you're that size. So um, he's, he maybe isn't as prototypical, but I think he's been really good this year. Now, I think last year was, was, was not an A. It was maybe a B or a C plus. And, I think he's fluctuated since he's come in the league, but this is one of his good years. Jesse, I just think that guy should be playing third base every day. You, you lost the ball on the Sunday day in right field. That could happen to anybody, but I'm just saying that for, for my money, Brian should be over at third. And I get that. And I wish Joe Madden would at least acknowledge that the less you play a position, the more likely you are to run into a moment like, like he did today. Instead, Joe, Joe said, well, that can happen to anybody, and it does happen to anybody. That's not the point. I know it can happen to Jason Hayward, but is it more likely to happen to Hayward or Chris Bryant? I think logic would say it's more likely to happen to somebody that doesn't play there as much. Now, that, that's the answer Joe should give with also adding on, but yes, we lose a little bit there on defense, but we like it because it gets us uh, Bodie's bat in the lineup, and we'll trade the extra bat for maybe a little bit less on defense in, in right field in that moment. Otherwise, then what's the point of, of calling Hayward a gold lover if it makes no difference between him or Bryant in those moments. So, um, yes, it can happen to anybody, but it happens less often to people that are gold lovers who play out there all the time. So I'm not advocating 
he can't play out there. But acknowledge that you, you drop a little bit in production out there, even if you do gain at the plate. Um, I am in the camp that he could play either pl- place if it helps the team. That's first and foremost. Uh, if it gets to a point where it hurts the team because his defense is, isn't good out there or because he's moving around, his bat struggles, that's a different story. The Cubs don't believe that. I tend to don't believe that either. Why limit a guy that can do both jobs, the one job he does better, and that's at third base. The Kimbrell signing was sound, as I think you and I would agree with that, that you want to have someone to solidify that spot. What are your thoughts so far this season of the, the bullpen, the rest of the bullpen leading into Kimbrell now? Well, I think it's been short the whole time, and we kind of all knew that in the off season. Um Mora wasn't going to be ready till May at least anyway, so they were going to be short in April. Now they were short in May as well. So this really lengthens it. When you are a good team, Jay Hood, you are going to be leading in a lot of games. Um, and in this day and age, you can't just bank on your offense to, to do it night in and night out. And I say this day and age because there are moments that they're great and moments that they're not for every offense. And there's a lot of Jekyll and Hyde with, with teams on offense. So the point is, you're not going to be winning 14 to one. You might be winning three to two or three to one, and you're going to have to go to your A relievers. You need four or five of them. That's the number Joe has talked about. And the the reason is not that you're going to use four or five in one night, but you don't want to have to use the same two or three every day. So two go on one night, two go on the next night, and then you go back to the first two, and then maybe use three in one given night. That's what adding Kimbrell does for this team, let alone the fact that it locks down the ninth inning a little bit more. It does take a special kind of pitcher to, 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 to be effective in the ninth inning, night in and night out. So they get that, and now you've backed up C-Shack and Edwards and Kinsler a little bit better and Stroke, and you can use guys one night and not have to worry about necessarily using them the next night. Jesse, what are your expectations for the Cubs-St. Louis series? Well, payback is a bitch, right? I mean, uh, the Cubs swept them last time they were here. Then the Cardinals uh, got got the best of the Cubs. Uh, Probably a tight series. Probably not a sweep. You know, somewhere in between. Really good starting pitching by the Cubs lately. And and the Cardinals, for the most part, have been better lately in that area. They weren't very good in May, but they're starting to turn around. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some tight, low-scoring games. Um, But but division... division, uh, uh, matchups are hard to predict because, in one way, you know so much about your opponent, yet there are these subtle adjustments that go on. So, what adjustments have we made from just last weekend? You know, and I, I can't answer that. So, any of these in division games with the contenders are always fun. So, we'll see. I understand you have a book out, Jesse. Can you tell people about it? Well, we're one week away from Father's Day. What a Father's Day gift this would be, Jay Hood. Try not to suck the definitive bio on Joe Madden, your World Series winning manager, myself and my partner uh, Bill Chastain, who wrote it, uh, wrote the Tampa Bay years. He's a writer out of Tampa. So uh, we, we put together a nice biography of Joe Madden, available at Amazon in your local bookstore. Very good. That's the best plug you've ever done. All right, Jesse. I finally, I finally wrote it down. <laughs> you finally nailed it, for God's sakes. <laughs> Jesse, thank you, man. I appreciate it as always. You got it, Jay. Take care, pal. Jesse Rogers covers the Cubs for ESPN.com. Follow him on Twitter at ESPN Chi Cubs. We bear down with Bears information and NFL information. That's coming up next on UTH. Yo, it's time for Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Great journeys always reveal one thing. The strength you never knew you had before you left. There's a snap. It's a good one. Thomas puts it in the air. It's gone. It's gone. The Bears are in the playoffs. The Bears are in the playoffs. 
physical. We're going to get physical. We're going to get ugly. Trubisky, play action. To the end zone. Touchdown, Bears! Okay, so three. One, two, three. Hester under it. Backs up to his 16. Runs right now. 45-40. The punter to beat. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Touchdown, City Flyer. It is time to bear down Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and ESPN app. Glad that you're with me here as we get ready for Bourbonnet. It's going to happen soon. <laughs> Sooner or later, we'll finally get to Bears camp. Nobody covers the NFL. Nobody covers the Bears like Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood. We always dedicate a segment to something about the Chicago Bears, even though they're down the field just as of yet. This portion of Under the Hood is brought to you by the fine folks at Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts known to man. Go to birddogs.com and use promo code ESPN and get a free pair of nunchucks with your shorts. Glad to have you in today. We will have Tales from the Hood coming up in our next segment. And don't forget, it is a Throwback Thursday. we got some fun for you for Throwback Thursday coming up in an hour from now right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. A couple of news and notes before we get to the Bears. So Adam Schefter is reporting that the Eagles are giving Carson Wentz, quarterback Carson Wentz, a four-year, $128 million contract extension that includes guarantees over $107 million. Wentz's total deal is now worth six years, $154 million per source. Wow. So the percentage of league salary cap for notable quarterbacks in their second contract Carson Wentz now has, is eating up 17% of the cap for the Eagles. They're all in. Rightfully so, right? They believe in Carson Wentz. He's the guy. 17% of the cap. Uh, below that, Matt Ryan from Atlanta at 16.8%. Joe Flacco at 16.3%. Andrew Luck at 15.83%. Kirk Cousins at 15 Jimmy Garoppolo at 15 uh, Russell Wilson at 15 Derek Carr uh, Cam Newton, Matt Stafford, and Andy Dalton uh, at 14 or under. So, again, big salary cap number for the second contracts for these guys. And this is what you have to do in the National Football League. you got to find the guy, cultivate that personality, uh, cultivate that quarterback, and believe that he's going to be able to lead you um, into the promised land. So that is uh, interesting news for the Eagles as Carson Wentz for your $128 million contract. I have something on OBJ and the Browns in just a moment, but first, let's get to the Bears here. Some thoughts about the Bears as what they're going to do with their kickers, okay? So, there's three kickers in place, and Matt Nagy probably has an idea exactly who he likes to be the starting kicker for the Bears moving forward. He was on with Wallen Sylvie talking about his confidence in the kickers. Yes, I am. I'm very confident. I feel good about that. We put a lot of time and effort into it. It's not something that's just going to happen right away. It is a, obviously a huge void, something that we need to get fixed, and we need to feel really good about it. Uh, we all do feel very good that, that what you just asked is, is true, that they're, on, they're, they're out there right now practicing with us. Uh, and that's what we're hoping. Uh, so we're we're uh, we're trying to create pressure situations for them uh, to to try to help not only us out but help them out so that when they get in those situations they can they can make the kicks. Uh, and and it's going to take a little bit of time. We'll have a little fun with it um, in a good way in training camp. But uh, we we need to nail that position down for sure. So they have something called the Augusta Silence. Why do they call it Augusta Silence? I don't understand. Like any 
quality golf course, you you expect silence, right? But they call it Augusta silence. And this is what the kickers are going through. Complete silence. Everybody's on the field, all players, all personnel, and they're just standing there like wooden soldiers watching these guys go about kicking, which I find interesting because usually, especially on the road, if a kicker is against it in a hostile environment, it's usually loud. But for whatever reason, it's quiet. Uh, for these guys. So why is he doing this Augusta silence? It's such a ridiculous name. Well, there's a couple ways to think about it. Number one, usually it's not too quiet um, at the football games when the, when the kicker's getting ready to kick. There's normally a lot more noise. I mean, you could, whether it's like Augusta or these golf championships where, these, where there's thousands and thousands of people around one hole and he's gotta, you know, somebody's got to make a 20-foot putt to, to be the master's champ or, or you're, you're, um, you know, you're sitting there getting ready to, to hit a free throw. Uh, to win the game and they're on a technical foul and there's no one in the key. It's just you and the, and the rim. Um, but what that is, is that's creating pressure. And there's a lot of things that go into that, into your mind of trying to think positively. And, and, uh, so we're, we're trying to, you know, formulate that as much as we can. Right now, it's the kickers. Uh, as we get into training camp, it'll be other positions, but we need to get that nailed down. And, um, and, and, uh, so we're going to cr- try to create ways to do that and simulate it as much as we can. And, um, so far, we've had that eerie silence, um, which I kind of like, and it just put, it lets them know that we're all watching and, and how do they handle it. Mike Golick thinks they're doing too much. I am a huge Bears fan. I'm a huge Matt Nagy fan. I, I like put that. How about that? Mike Golick is a huge Bears fan. Who knew, huh? <laughs> yeah, he grew up in Park Ridge. Big, big Chicago <laughs> Bears guy, you know? <sighs> it's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. That's new. I've been listening to this guy for 20 years. I didn't know he was a Bears fan. I am a huge Bears fan. I'm a huge Matt Nagy fan. Oh. I, I like him a lot, and I like the direction that team is going. But I think this well, I'll is tell you one thing. It's good for the station. If, if Golik's a big Bears fan, that's, that's good. Schedule more. Let's get more live events out here. Let him come to... <laughs> <laughs> Let him come here every Friday. You can do some tailgate and get some sausage out here out at Soldier Field. If he's that big a Bears fan, bring yeah, the show every he can Friday. Come with his people. <laughs> now don't, be the big Bears fan. Don't talk about Seattle and their secondary. <laughs> I am a huge Bears fan. I'm a huge Matt Nagy fan. I, I like him a lot, and I like the direction that team is going. But I think this is one of those classic overthinking situations. You're just trying too hard in a situation. It's To me, it's not even relevant for a game, so I... I it, but you know what? Like I have less of an issue with the actual drill yeah. itself and more just how it fits into the body of the yeah. Bears and their yeah. kicking situation this offseason. Like you do, a, you do a bunch of different things to try and put pressure on kicker. You have him kick at the end of practice with right. sprints, sprints on the sprints line, on the line. Right. so the whole rest yeah. of the team yeah. is kind of looking it at just, you to go succeed it, it, for them. To me, this is just a different way to try and find out what they're made of mentally. I, I don't have. I know it's not game related, but I have no problem with them trying to do something different. I don't to see have if they can get pressure problem on. with. I just think it's overthinking. It just it just feels like we've gone down to far of a road yeah, with this. Yeah. Kolek, and Wingo right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app. Darren Orlovsky, former NFL quarterback and analyst for uh, ESPN, talked about the Augusta silence. I love it. You know, it's- All right, so the thoughts there from Darren Orlovsky. He believes that it's a good idea. I, I, I think, I don't know why, it, you could do it, I just don't know why it's called the Augusta silence. But I, it's interesting. It's different. And so this is all part of the BU situation. I get it. Not Buffalo University. No, it's BU. It's it's him believing that that he wants to do something different than what has gone on when trying to find out which kicker is right for his team. It's different. I don't blame him. 
whatever. For me, I'm all bottom about bottom line, about results. It's what we do as fans. Did my team win? Did my team lose? Is my team getting better? Do you have the right personnel on the field? Do whatever you want to do. Yeah, but the only thing is, if it fails and it goes the wrong direction, I'm going to make fun of it, and I'm going to be, and I will hold your feet to the fire. I've been doing this for 25 years. You got to do it right, you know. So it's it's fine. It's different. So all I'm looking for is results from it. Mitch Trubisky. Let's talk about the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. We talked about quarterbacks earlier, right? About the Eagles giving Carson Wentz a four-year, $128 million contract extension. That includes guarantees of $107 million. I mean, that's huge. And I'm sure Trubisky looks for that kind of contract in his second time around. But again, it's about show me. Even based on what we saw last year, it's about seeing if there's growth with Trubisky. He says that his return to the field has been very smooth. I feel very comfortable. It's just a lot of fun to be back in Chicago with the boys playing football again. And uh, I think smooth is a really good word to describe how things are going. It just uh, feels like we're playing football. Everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows what they're doing, being year two in this offense. So it's a lot of fun just getting out there, um, going through it, and uh, just being even more detailed than we were last year within every single each play. Yeah, it's a big year for him, which is, you know, where it all starts for us, and especially offensively. Um, we all talked about it last year. It was going to be a little bit of a, a, a learning um, curve for him. I thought he handled it really, really well. He's, he's so motivated to, to just come out and prove everybody right that's believed in him and knows what he can do. Uh, he's asking lots of questions. You know, uh, Coach Ragone and Coach Helfrich are doing a great job at making sure he understands this offense inside out. He's got great teammates that are, are here with him. You know, I just look at a guy like Allen Robinson, who, again, at this time, just like Khalil, wasn't here with us. So now every throw that they get together just makes us better. Uh, I mean, our entire offense, they, they know this language. They know this offense. They know the lingo. So they can worry about what the defense is doing, and, and it's really just helping Mitch out, which helps us all out. Everything that we knew he could do last year, it's just he's, he's doing it more. Uh, he's, watch, he's watching tape. He's, he's leading meetings. Um, he's vocal in the meetings that we have. Uh, he's, he's understanding that when we teach this offense, there's different levels to it. And last year, he didn't necessarily always understand, in all fairness, he shouldn't have understood every level to this offense. Now he is. The thoughts there from Matt Nagy, the head coach for the Chicago Bears, talking about Mitch Trubisky. One other note regarding OBJ. Um, finally, Odell Beckham Jr. showed up at Cleveland camp. This could be great or this could be awful. It won't be in the middle, I know that for sure. This could be spectacular or this could be awful for the Browns but Odell Beckham Jr. finally shows up to camp and so he's had a few things to say he says he is excited to finally be working with the Browns and uh, getting back to winning he said uh, the piece from Jordan Renan says Odell Beckham Jr. dished out compliments about the arm of his new Cleveland Browns quarterback Baker Mayfield Uh, I'm also getting adjusted to the speed because he's got an arm Uh, he's throwing the ball hard just catching him is from the first day, it was like, wow, it was completely different. Um, <laughs> and, of course, with him saying it's different, it sounds like it's a shot at Eli Manning. Just one note for you, a little nugget for you, okay? So he's excited about working with Baker Mayfield, the quarterback for the Browns. Fine. But you realize that in the 28th season against winning teams, Baker Mayfield was 1-5. in five. Even though the Browns had turned around, right? The Browns look good. Uh, one in five against winning teams. Eli was two and seven. 
The completion percentage, Eli 65%, Baker was 59%. The touchdown to interception ratio, for Eli Manning, 9 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Baker, 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Passer rating, 87.3 in your dial for Eli, 77 for Baker. Not that much difference. Even though the hype is, oh, Brown's going to win the division. Brown's, okay. Okay. I don't, listen, if you're a Browns fan, you should be excited that it won't be zero wins or one win or two wins. But don't expect the Super Bowl because a few new players are in place. And that's Bear Down right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Just, uh, it's funny, OBJ is talking about, uh, you know, somewhat taking a side swipe at Eli Manning. And Baker still has to prove himself. Just like Trubisky, same thing with with, uh, Baker Mayfield. Still got to prove himself as well. He brings energy, but do you bring wins? That's a big question mark. Tales from the Hood is next. I tried to show You're listening to my mans in them. Jay Hood. Yeah. Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000. I tried to show And the ESPN app. Yeah. Gone on you with the pick and roll. Younger Flame here in sickle mode. What do you got here? This is your car. My car? I said a 10-second car, not a 10-minute car. Pop the hood. Pop the hood? Pop the hood. Tales from the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Here we go. Tales from the Hood right here on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. And Jonathan Hood with you. We will hear from Pat Bradley. We'll talk about the Bulls in the NBA draft coming up at 9.15 with Pat from the SEC Network. Here's some stories for you. How about this one? Um, Please stop calling the cops about fast food. As a collective takeout staff, we spend an outsized portion of our day reading about food on the Internet and setting up Google alerts for nacho cheese. Uh, But there's a caller who last week uh, called this place in Slidell, Louisiana call the Slidell, Louisiana Police Department to report that an area Taco Bell was out of hard and soft shell tacos. That is a crime. That's pretty criminal. <laughs> is it a crime? <laughs> We're on the poll at ESPN 1000. Is it a crime to be out of hard and soft shell tacos? Yes or no? Uh, an Indianapolis man who late last month called 911 to report the theft of his foot-long Subway sandwich. No arrests were made. Other Jesse Smollett? <laughs> Is that him? No, that's not Oh, him. no, okay. No. I said Indianapolis man. <laughs> <laughs> he did not. I don't believe that the uh, Subway sandwich had a red hat on, so no, he probably wouldn't have called. <laughs> um, explain that to Felix, please. A, uh, a five-year-old, uh, okay, we'll give him a pass. He called 911 uh, because he wanted McDonald's, and he got it, courtesy of a generous cop. This makes me think. I feel like we should call 911 at McDonald's because their ice cream machines just don't work ever. <laughs> and conveniently in the summer, too. It's a certain time. Like, if you don't get it between 12 and 3, you may not get it. That's exactly it. Sorry, we already turned them off. It's like, it's 8.15. <laughs> what are you telling me? You like to have a little ice cream with it for a nightcap. Um, two Chino men uh, in Arizona. Uh, were arrested on suspicion of transporting and selling a narcotic drug after more than 200 fentanyl pills were found under the genital of one of the men. 
Around 4 p.m., a black Chevrolet pulled up, 15, a Chevrolet 1500 truck uh, of Randall Arrington was located and stopped in the area of Iron Springs Road near Williamson. Inside the truck, detectives discovered a container with marijuana residue and drug paraphernalia. Uh, detectives discovered that Arrington was also driving with a suspe- suspended license. Point is, though, is that, um, <laughs> like, how is it? Well, I'm not going to say how. If it's a bag of fentanyl pills and he can put it under his genitals. That, he must have a large appendage there. I, I don't know how else to put it. 200 pills is a lot. The, the, I'm not I'm not able to hide 200 pills there. <laughs> I'm just saying, how do you hide 200 pills in that? <laughs> what is, I don't know. Well, this is good. You know, I don't know why you're in radio. Why don't you be a detective? <laughs> He hit two hundred fentanyl pills. Well, I mean, he held he hit two hundred fentanyl pills under his genitals, and Eric says, "Well, he must have a large something there." That's what I'm saying. I'm I'm curious, to be honest. Well, oh, really? I am. You want to see? Kinda. <laughs> he's, he's fentanyl curious. Jonathan Hood. Wait a minute. This guy must be Joe DiMaggio. ESPN 1000. <laughs>